Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Not a Classroom podcast. My name is Kevin, and today I am talking with my friend Caleb about electrical engineering, tech culture, and some sustainability stuff. And we also get into ethics and motivation and some stuff about society's consumption habits. So I hope you can learn something from the conversation today, but I'd also like to start off with a quick quote. So here goes. A generation that cannot endure boredom will be a generation of little men, of men unduly divorced from the slow processes of nature, of men in whom every vital impulse slowly withers as though they were cut flowers in a vase. That's Bertrand Russell in The Conquest of Happiness from 1930. I really like how the nature of this quote questions this value that we place on hustle culture in society, but at the same time also kind of encourages people to go out and do things, but really think on what you're doing and take the time to just sit there and sort of take in the world. Also, I've been hearing from a lot of my friends recently that they're struggling with motivation. So I just want everyone that listens to this to try and go out and do something for yourself today because you got to start somewhere and there's no failure in trying. But yeah, here's the podcast and I hope you enjoy it. All right. So Caleb, if you'd like to introduce yourself, tell me a little about yourself, your interests, what you like to do, what you don't like to do. You can go for it. All right. Um, so I'm Caleb. I uh, also went to the Oregon State. I am uh, currently working engineering job in um, consumer electronics. I'll keep it at that. Did electrical engineering, kind of in that middle ground between electrical and computer science, which has been a good broad look at both the physical portion of it and the more uh, coding, which is more of kind of like organizational component in my mind. Yeah, so I'd kind of like to get into your education because I think with Katie and I talking on our last one, I think you had a bit of a different experience where in college you you sort of kept with this you kept with the same major in electrical engineering the whole time. Was there anything that deterred you from doing that? Anything else you had? sort of a deeper curiosity for or was that just kind of like the plan that you felt like you should stick with and it was a good idea um there was always sunk cost fallacy i always had this idea <laughs> of i'd gone this far and i should keep going i feel like i would always kind of had this desire for understanding computers more at a deep level I think that's why I ended up doing electrical engineering instead of computer science. Mm -hmm. I had this uh, kind of naive belief that I already understood computer science in high school, which wasn't true. <laughs> but um, there's so much depth in that topic that I kind of always wanted to explore what could go on in there. There is, and I think we'll get into this more later, there is this big... Um, problem of uh, sustainability in electronics that I've, you know, we've seen our mm -hmm. whole lives. Um, we use a phone for about two years and toss them. Yeah. Um, we use consumer electronics, you know, a big one's vape pens recently where, you know, you have this lithium ion battery that are just getting thrown around all over the place. Yeah. Um, and that culture is really toxic. And um, 
I mean, I never really was as interested in natural sciences as Katie was and not so much uh, wanting to be in that realm, but more I was interested in um, information and the ability that technology has to allow us to, one, capture information, and then more importantly, analyze and understand that information. Yeah. Do you, do you think that you're in your education, were you exposed to a lot of stuff like that with like how to be sustainable or is it, uh, more of an emerging issue or is it, is it something you had to pursue on your own? Every engineer takes an ethics class. Mm -hmm. I, that's not enough. <laughs> that's not, uh, it's pretty baseline stuff. Um, we have a chemical engineer friend who had this whole thing of like, oh, you're struggling with. Your boss says you have to do something that you mm -hmm. think will poison the water. And if you do, if you don't do it, you'll probably get fired. Do you do it and not get fired or do you get fired? And, um, and you know, it's this big ethical question. And he's like, obviously, 100%, you should not do it and, you know, follow the ethical code. And it wasn't 100%. Um, that kind of stuff's hilarious to me. But, yeah. uh, well, didn't he say the majority of the people in the class said they would not get fired? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> in, you know, that kind of stuff is when push comes to shove, more people are going to crack. Yeah. You know, the people that think that they're going to be the heroes of the story. I, I think more people think they're a hero than actually end up being heroes. Oh, okay. That's a, that's definitely a thing I want to get into later. Cause okay, I, I, I want to talk about sort of the tech bro world mm -hmm. and what is going on there and your feelings on it. But like, I guess to continue on the educational spiral, is there, is there anything else you think you would have liked to have done or rather done, or was there anything you considered switching to? Um, yeah. I mean, if there's infinite time in the world, I, I said that I didn't really want to do the natural sciences, that bios um, area. My mother was a nurse, um, mm -hmm. and I kind of always saw that um, the ability to help people. My my brother ended up going uh, through his pre-med and didn't end up doing med school, but um, mm -hmm. uh, gave me a really cool opportunity to see, um, for a while he was working with cadavers, and yeah. um, he would essentially host events for surgeons to come in and uh, show and teach other surgeons and practice their surgical techniques on um, cadavers and that kind of stuff is really incredible to me um, which technology is you know tangential to that kind of stuff but it's not um, uh, I don't think I'd ever go to med school yeah um, yeah uh, <laughs> my good yeah exactly my good um, my good friend uh, his grandpa was a nuclear engineer right mm -hmm. and uh, he had this whole oh, go to med school, they love engineers, they'll take you in a heartbeat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's hard to say because, you know, he did that uh, 60, 80 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Not 80, but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it just, he he lived in a different time. And I don't know if, because, um, you know, that, that whole meme, they did surgery on a grape, right? Like, you ever hear that one? No, I don't know if I know that okay. one. Okay, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a dumb thing. But, uh, I mean... They used a grape as a, um, just to show the precision of a, like, I don't know if it was like a six or seven axis robot and okay. the ability to, you know, do incisions and peel off just the top layer of the grape. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I don't know. The internet was like, that's hilarious. Why would you do so on a grape or something? <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
don't try to explain the internet. Uh, <laughs> but um, is that, I, that you learn in ethics class? Well, <laughs> I know that's not an ethics question. <laughs> Should you, if you were asked to do surgery on a grape, do you do it? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a very good ethical question. Um, yeah, it, it's just um, it's uh. That kind of stuff, I think at some point I might get into. Um, and I would love to have kind of more cross-discipline understanding. Cause, with like the medical? Yeah, with the medical. Okay. Um, uh, I, the only concerns that I have, and we'll, we can talk about this later because this gets into what I like and don't like about regulation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't think I would enjoy that industry because it, has a lot of restrictions of what I can do personally. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of um, checking boxes and yeah, you know, bureaucratic stuff that I um I'm avoiding a lot right now with my current job mm -hmm. that I love. But um, I can see that that would be very soul draining for me personally. Yeah. Um, but on the, on the lighter side of things, the like cross disciplinary um work is just everyone kind of likes to be in their box, you know? Yeah. Um, even in engineering, there's mechanical, there's chemical and there's electrical and they all kind of want to do their own thing. You know? Yeah. If you have a problem, you look for that discipline, but in reality, um, doesn't really work that way. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't work that way. And I mean, you can, you can organize a company or a project or whatever it is to have everyone kind of do all of their, their boxes. And then, somebody called the systems engineer comes in and puts all the boxes together and gotcha. tries to make the, the pieces into a puzzle. Mm. Um, but I think that if you focus too much on one sub-discipline, you, you end up having um, losing sight of the other stuff yeah. in the question. Okay. So I, I like to have, uh, I would love to have more of that cross-discipline if I did end up going into that direction, but I don't... Yeah. What what Let's most see. interests you about that the medical direction is it is there a specific aim that you have or is it just the intriguing factor what what I guess you said you had a personal experience with your brother who you learned a lot about mm -hmm. that and was that just a a moment where something clicked or was it like a thing over time where you, and you have a separate desire as well yeah um I think it's impact. Mm -hmm. Um, I've kind of come to terms recently that the reason I like engineering so much is, is power. <laughs> um, it really like is electrical power. Well, no, just, <laughs> just, um, influence. And, um, mm -hmm. if you make a great program, right. Yeah. Um, there are, um, hundreds of millions of devices in the world. If you make a program that makes those, uh, devices, 2% faster, 2% more efficient, you know, you make some random, I don't know, compression algorithm and the compression algorithm is just a little bit better than everything else. Um, that little thing that you do can have so much impact in the entire world. Yeah. You know, if you make surgery bot 9,000 mm -hmm. suddenly, um, it's a lot easier to build a robot than it is to, uh, train a surgeon. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes, I don't know, by, by the time you're done with med school, you're probably 36. Mm -hmm. I don't know that off the top of my head, but, y you know, it takes 36 years to train a surgeon 
and we clearly don't have enough of them. Yeah. And eventually they get too old. And I'm not going to say that tech doesn't have that same problem because, you know, these these big machinery need people to, to maintain them and you need to have, like, triple backups and all this different stuff. But um, I genuinely believe that we could have a system where um, we could really get that to work well. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy is one of those ones where <laughs> we're not there yet, but um, a lot of people have been trying to make therapy apps. You know? Oh, yeah. And you, you, you talk to a chat bot and it can help you work through some stuff that you haven't worked through. Okay. Um, I think that they're generally at this point kind of psychology says these aren't working yet. Yeah. Um, but you know, if we ever got to that point and I think that one day will, um, we could make it so cheap to get therapy that there wouldn't be any excuse, you huh. know? Like I know yeah, there's, yeah. we have friends that where it's like, I want you to go to therapy, but I know that a lot of it is convenience and a lot of it's cost. Yeah. If it was literally just, hey, download an app, yeah, take five be. minutes a day, that's a lot more accessible. I'd be I'd be curious to see how those um meditation apps are working or like in the psychology field because I yeah. just think that I know I just saw something the other day that the I think it was like Calm or something, got like a $2 billion evaluation or something. It'd be, well, okay, I'm sure it would go down if there were reports that came out that it was not doing that well. But the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's, I think the, I think the impact is definitely a very valiant way or very valiant way to get into it. I think that's a, a lot of where people get their direction from is wanting to do something helpful which I guess that's a hopeful way of looking at the world, but well, it it can also be I want to be impactful and and use that impact to oppress people, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where I've realized that impact is the thing that I'm interested in, and I I just have to believe that because I think I'm a good person and mm. that I have good values and want to see good things in the world, that impact will be good instead of um, yeah. So you know it it. it I feel like I didn't really acknowledge that when I first got into it, but I'm starting to get to the point where I realize that it's just, I, I am kind of chasing power in a kind of twisted way. Hmm. Do um, you, do you, I imagine that takes a lot of skepticism in yourself to like understand what you're doing. It, yeah. And in tech as, as a whole, you know, cause well, there's like this, um, so like right now, the stuff that I, that I'm helping put into the world, right? I'm a mm-hmm. small part of a really large puzzle. It's, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's international um, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, and the there's there's a couple of things where it's like, are we making this because it's more efficient and because it's, um, you know, better for the world? Or are we making this so that we can sell and make money? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I'm sure there'll be a point in my life where I have to, uh, kind of make that decision a little more consciously. Yeah. Instead of just, uh, you know, I, I need, I need a little bit more experience to really, like, I can't, I, I know some people straight out of college go and they try to make their own company and whatnot. Yeah. I don't think I have that in me. Yeah. Um, What's that? Uh... I don't have the right idea. 
I think very few people have the right idea, and the people that do have the right idea, you need the the time and money to dump into it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm saving up. Uh, maybe I'll get some some thing that I want to just drop everything and try. And what would it what would it take for you to feel like you had the right idea? Uh, a prototype that's going off. Okay. Yeah. So I think what, that would be the that would be the big one. What would it take for you to build that prototype? <laughs> what would it take for me to build that? Yeah, prototype? like how? Um, I will say free time's kind of a kind of a rough one. Yeah. Um, I wish that those. Um, for context, we graduated. Um, the two years, our last two years were COVID. Right. Yeah. So lockdown, online school, all that. I wish I had kind of been in a better place and used that time to kind of yeah start trying that a bit more because mm-hmm. right now i feel like i have all of the tools to um like there's a, there's a lot of arrogance that comes from being an engineer because at yeah. some point you have to say i don't care what it is give me enough time give me enough money i can do it the right? stem lords yeah the stem you just gotta <laughs> there's a there's a point where you just say everything is possible or if it's not possible i can give you a reason why yeah. You know, if it's a perpetual motion machine, I can explain to you what law of physics you're breaking. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if it is a good idea, maybe I can make it. Maybe it's just not um, cheap. Yeah. You know? Um, and the cool thing about the modern world is that we have these massive engineering projects like, you know, telecom, right? We've mm-hmm. had the internet for, I don't know, 80 years, maybe. Don't quote me on that. Um, and, <laughs> maybe less. <but laughs> I don't know. It, it like if you want to consider internet, if you want to consider radio, like we've had a way to communicate information mm-hmm. wirelessly, wired, um, across the entire globe. Like that's incredible. That yeah. is amazing. We have a, a a camera out in space taking pictures that are so like the light is just hitting us from uh, hundreds of billions of years ago right yeah you know that those kind of massive engineering projects are incredible um Mm -hmm. but they also have an entire government behind them yeah (laughs) right um so the cool thing about electronics is that uh in theory there is really cheap ways to do really incredible stuff um Mm -hmm. there's um the the initial like R&D component of it is very expensive, though. Yeah. Um, and that is something that I kind of wish I'd gotten a little bit more um, direction in when I was first, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't really into engineering history until more recently. Okay. And that's all come from, you know, reading books, watching YouTube videos, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, like... The, the the big one for the U.S. is Bell Labs, which is this mm. um, one of the few commercial R&D labs that was massive for 60 years. And they invented the transistor. They invented telecommunication mm. all this kind of stuff that's so influential to the modern world. But um, how they came about those discoveries isn't really something that they, they teach you. you know? Yeah. And it, it makes sense because um, very few people make the next amazing thing. Yeah. Most people are just, um, you know, supplemental to the massive project. 
do you do you think we're in like an age of like marginal increases or do you think there are because like i mean everybody talks about that technological mm-hmm. advancement and how we had this like exponential curve and i, I can't remember Moore's if law? Pe- maybe okay. i can't remember if people are saying that that's leveling off or if it's just i i even if it mm-hmm. is leveling off there's so much more abundance that it would seem that even if we're making marginal increases on a lot of areas that we could still see that sort of growth mm-hmm. the so i don't know are we in an age of improvements or discoveries i guess so this is why i'm very happy that i have a hardware and software kind of middle ground mm-hmm. um I'm not the best person for either of those, <laughs> um, which is, you know, it's okay. Um, there's people that, uh, if you go really hard into electrical engineering, um, you can work for Intel and work on a small portion of the processor, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't really have any interest in doing that. And I'm yeah. glad that I didn't uh, do that in college. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also people that will... Um, do coding projects where they're taking like one web server and another web server and they make sure that they interact without exploding. I'm also glad I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing, um, Moore's law is this idea that we keep, uh, I think it's doubling progress every 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the big one was transistors are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what a transistor is? I think I had a class talk about it a ton and how it was one of the most important, if not the most important piece of technology. (laughs) And I was like, this is a media class. I don't really know why we're talking about it. Hi, cool. That's that's pretty neat. (laughs) Well, if you're not a uh, um, film snob and you use just the, uh, uh, what are the the old school, like 3.5 millimeter... 35 millimeter reel yeah. yeah yeah if you don't use if you don't use your old school uh dark room stuff mm. um the uh a transistor is essentially an electrical switch where you can turn uh a, a contact on and off with electrical signal mm-hmm. so the reason that's so important is that if you make literally billions of them <laughs> and mm. you put that all in one little processor you can have it do oh i remember you this. can <laughs> program it and it'll do whatever you want mm-hmm. um <laughs> i don't know if this is true but somebody told me this recently and i really like it apparently the like science fiction word robot was um came from something or something else that was supposed to mean slave um, oh it's i think it's a some language it's a foreign language i think okay i don't know which one but. you should you should fact check that one but yeah <laughs> um the 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 cool thing about it is that when you have something that will just do whatever you want you can have it record audio you can have it play back audio you can have it um mm-hmm. compute a, a billion digits of pi you can do um just about anything with it wait where how did i get here um transistors yeah transistors (laughs) um so oh moore's law so moore's law has been was saying that the transistor is going to get smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. and we've kind of seen that where we have iphones now you know Mm -hmm. there was a time where computers were an entire building and now they've gotten down to the point where our our phone has so much potential on it and we're honestly not really tapping into it yeah um 
People have said Moore's Law is going to end every year. Um, yeah. It hasn't really happened, but I think that depending on how you interpret it is a um, is an interesting question. Because if you just look at transistors, there's a physical limit of, you know, if we get down to three atoms, we can't make it any smaller than three atoms. Yeah. Unless we completely reinvent it. Yeah. Um, and there's people that are trying to reinvent things. Yeah. Currently, we use electricity to make transistors and make information. There's ideas where they want to make use light to make transistors and information. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that'll be the next big step that pushes us past. I personally believe that we're at the point where hardware's stagnating a little bit, but software is starting to give us those marginal gains. Gotcha. Because, um, you know, we have all these, we have so many transistors, and it's really hard to know what any of those transistors are doing. But in theory, you could go and say, hey, Mr. Transistor, be more efficient. <laughs> and if we find a way that instead of being like if we find a way to make those transistors more efficient we still improve our efficiency overall it's just not a physical thing anymore it's a yeah. like organizational logistical yeah um that's the cool thing about software is you can essentially make value out of nothing yeah it's i guess it becomes a question of like diminishing marginal returns over time where how many how many it's like if we're not advancing technology as fast and then we reach a point where our horizons aren't growing as much i guess if we're not making as many of the or even if we're making as many of those marginal improvements those are naturally probably going to get smaller over time and if our area is not broadening then i guess there could be a stagnation but i guess sometimes i think about it in like a historical perspective we only if you look at history, I'm sure there's some theories on how technology improves, but then you also have things like the Middle Ages where technology just stagnates like in incredibly slow, and at least at my base level understanding. But the, I guess when I think about that, I, I don't know, it, it's honestly somewhat of a small sample size. It's hard to say if we would end up in a situation like that. But anyway, I, I think... A question that I have regarding the advancement of technology is I, I see sometimes that there's a lot of arguments out there towards issues around advanced tech. Oh, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the philosopher that is the, the first person who was like anti-progression in technology, but it goes back to like the Greeks. But yeah, there's, um, I guess we, we were talking earlier about sort of this like tech bro mindset. And I sort of want to get your opinion on that. And also, do you feel like there's enough consideration for, I guess, hu human elements in technology and how we interact with technology, but also to make it an even more complicated question it, about how we treat looking at technology like there's even people now talking about how we should treat ai and various different things so yeah i mean there's a lot of money in it and mm -hmm. i think it's hard to um disconnect the uh results with the profit margins mm -hmm. um i think crypt crypto is a cool uh example of that where um you see a lot of things that aren't really adding technology still make a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, for example, Dogecoin was made to make fun of a bunch of people that were essentially taking Bitcoin, rebranding it, and trying to sell it. Yeah. Um, and that can still make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and that's not just something that happens in crypto. That's something that happens in, hey, I made a robot. Yeah. This is a cool robot. It might not do anything useful for the world. It might be even taking natural resources and making them less efficient. Yeah. But um, if you get enough people on it where we think, hey, maybe this is the future, you can start, um, you know, making something useless and make a lot of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're not very conscientious about um, what it takes to make the stuff that we have. Um, especially in America. Well, that's like the, the idea of like an economic cost. There's that we don't, the consumers and producers and at least, at least most cases don't take into account the mm-hmm. externalities that come with things. I mean, that's like a big issue with crypto these days is the environmental externality. If, I can't remember the numbers, but it's just something astounding how much time, how much energy it, it's taking up to mine Bitcoin these days. And the... Especially with something like that, where for the most part, I think there's some niche coins out there now mm-hmm. that are doing some interesting things with, but there's um a lot of them that it's not necessarily adding value to yeah. anything. It's it's yeah. a, just hedging between different people, and that is. I don't want to get too far into this because my knowledge probably isn't that great, but it, it's yeah, sort no, of no. not necessarily adding much to the world and it, for, for everyone that wins there has to be a loser in that market but it's not like a stock market where someone is there's an argument to be made that someone is investing in a business that is growing and potentially doing something positive that it there might there might be some things moving yeah. into that realm yeah but, if yeah. if a bunch of people decide to invest in gamestop less GameStop's <laughs> shut down if a bunch of people decide to invest in bitcoin I guess there's more Bitcoin mining going on. Like, yeah. Um, it, yeah. Uh, to, to put it more towards just technology in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get too caught up on that. Uh, what, what minerals are in your phone? Like Ethereum? No, <laughs> no the, um, I'm assuming copper, gold, yep, lots of copper. I don't know about silver. Um, I know silver is an interesting thing right now with how its value is relative to gold, but um, I don't know. And you've got you've got the cousin who who trades monies, the gold, the metals, right? I don't know that he trades metals, but he he knows a lot about it because he's in geology, oh, and he knows a lot okay. about how like weird the silver market is right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving investing advice, no. <laughs> No one do I, I will not take responsibility for any of that. Put it but, all in Dogecoin. <laughs> I guess what what's the metal in the phones thing? What were you um inquiring there? You know, it's a trick question. I don't really know either. Mm-hmm. Um but the point being is that we the only thing that we know as far as phones is their monetary cost. Mm-hmm. Um and the thing that I kind of saw at my first internship, and we can get there. <laughs> um, is that raw material processing is not a pretty industry. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I think if people were a little bit more aware of what it costs, and not just the money cost, the you know the human lives that are sent into an entire industry, mm-hmm. the natural resources that have to be like destroyed, um, what mining looks like, uh, and what these factories that build phones look like. Um, and how, you know, international the scale is, right? Even if we mm-hmm. improve human rights in the U.S., um, a lot of electronics isn't just a U.S. market. Yeah. Um, so I think we're so um, divorced from the reality of what it takes to build the things that we own mm-hmm. that it, um, you know, you have people that are very environmentally conscious who I think are still unknowingly making unenvironmental decisions right yeah and that's just because the only thing that we have to go off of is what's told to us it's imperfect information it's incredibly imperfect yeah and um, you know it's hard to get away from because it's trade secret right yeah like i can't say hey this is where a company mines their stuff because um that is how they make their profit yeah is is knowing where to do that and Mm -hmm. doing it when when other people can't Mm mm-hmm does it feel weird being at a company that is maybe doesn't it doesn't feel like they're taking some of the considerations that we're discussing like they're is it just does that feel like the norm sometimes so i worked at that company during covid Mm -hmm. and i'll share a very uh interesting situation that i went through (laughs) um they had a couple of doctors come on yeah and um the corporate side of things and it's a bit it's a really big company um you know international but i don't think that a lot of people know of them they had a couple of uh doctors with various disciplines come on and they essentially opened up to the entire company if you have questions ask the questions that you have and we'll ask them to these medical professionals and we'll see uh you know duke it out see what see what they say um Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because you know it was all of the things that you've probably heard before Mm -hmm. um and a lot of the the covid skepticism that um that's that's around vaccination specifically was that what a lot of questions were it was related to covid yeah sorry sorry that that is that's important yes it was um specifically about covid vaccination gotcha because I think they noticed that their their company had a very low vaccination rate, mm-hmm. um, and uh, charitably, I think the you know the corporate culture decided that they could maybe uh, help things out, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's, that's I mean that's just kind of where we're at, where corporations need to do it because who else yeah. is going to, um, and it was strange. Because, you know, I would, I, it was all online because, you know, it's a massive place and there's a lot of different people. So, you know, you sit at your computer and you watch this doctor talk to the head of HR. You watch all your coworkers ask questions that you just, you've seen a million times before online and you've seen people talk about what is and isn't a valid concern and like, oh, is it dangerous for my children to get it? And oh, am I going to get myocarditis and all this stuff? Mm -hmm. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. I don't know if it really helped much. Yeah. I um I I think it's kind of the 
best that you can do. Yeah. Right. And um, I don't know if those doctors were really ready <laughs> for uh, what was going to happen because, you know, having a medical profession doesn't make you a debate lord. Yeah. Um, and you can state factual statements, but when somebody doesn't, you know, when somebody doesn't trust it or, or the like, hey, you're, you're 0, 0.00 something is your risk percentage, um, you know, that's non-zero. And that's, I think, what people hear was non-zero, not, yeah. It was, yeah. it was a lot. Is that, when that relates to being in, does it feel weird when that's in, like, an engineering field? Because you're, you just assume that people can, like, research these things easily and be like, okay, this is normal, like, and this is how this works. But mm -hmm. then you see, I mean, like, it's like, I guess on one the optimistic perspective, I guess you'd be like, oh, cool, skepticism. People ask questions, but then you're like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm work. I have to go into this place and work here, and I'm around. It's a, somewhat of a health danger to me and other people around me. Like, yeah, one thing I didn't realize until I was almost done with my degree is that allegedly engineering tends to be very conservative. Mm. I don't know how true that is. Because, you know, you have the very, like, Silicon Valley um, stereotype. And um, with being kind of middle between electrical and computer science, you have your, like, you know, your power grid stuff's probably going to be more on the, the red side. And then you have your, like, if you most software companies are going to be more towards your, your lib side. And yeah. It's, there's going to be a split there. But um, just, just as an anecdote, you know, let's say you work on an oil rig. Mm -hmm. you can t you can just hear which stereotype that's going to fit under yeah and there are going to be a lot of engineers there but the majority of people aren't going to be uh engineers it's going to be blue collar work yeah and um that's i mean that's really good that's a good thing it's just that our education system sucks <laughs> i guess this kind of brings me to another question is sort of how do you how do you establish what you value in those scenarios do you do you value like i, I mean of course you value the people that you work with probably but in determining i mean there's a lot of people who will obviously go someone has to do it somebody's going into engineering and they're gonna go to a job that is not necessarily doing something like you talked about power and impact there are a lot of people that do jobs that are not having probably under a lot of arguments net positive argu uh, um, impacts on the world and I guess how do you determine what you value in that scenario how do you find find out where you want to be on that spectrum what is okay and what is not yeah so yeah this is this is always a hard one for me because I'm kind of the the mindset of I don't want to work with people that have really really bad um mm -hmm. uh ideologies that drive them through their daily life um but uh you know you have to concede some stuff like yeah. i have a lot of really strong values that um i don't that i set aside in a professional mm -hmm. you know um i'm very you know sure I'm very, like, anti-Christian, right? <laughs> you know this about me. Um, and, I, I mean, I'm not going to bring that up when I'm working with somebody. 
Yeah. Right. Like between friends, I would talk about how I think that that would cause somebody to be better at worse at certain things. Um, uh, and I think engineering is very empirical. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, at least my, my life, I've, I've noticed my empiricism being a lot easier once I let go of that religious component of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to work with people that are Christian, right? Yeah. I mean, you want, it's, it's not, in some ways it's not necessarily hard to be respectful to be like, it's some people make such a big deal out of that, but it's like, you can, in some ways, I guess it could be seen as difficult, but I, yeah. It's just one of those, like when something happens, I go, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, uh, we might need somebody to come in on Saturday, but not Sunday. And I'm like, why not Sunday? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants to go to church. <laughs> the, what do you think of the, I guess, that mindset of people who are more willing to, not necessarily, they're not sacrificing their values. I, they just have different values, like the, because everybody's values relative to themselves. But the people who will go work for companies who are producing technologies that potentially lead to more death or addiction or yeah various different things do you do you think that it's do you think there's an i mean there's obviously an issue there and like Mm -hmm. i I think the with the tech bro world it's some i keep using that term but that's kind of the best term i have but the the tech bro world kind of strikes me in some instances as they they like you said everybody kind of thinks that they have the the solution or or like there's a lot of people who think that they have the answer to a lot of things. And I think sometimes people get very wrapped up in that and have the potential to get wrapped up in that in tech. And I think there's a difference between that ignorance versus people who just have the different value core and will go do things that it's pretty easy to tell when something is bad. And Mm -hmm. I guess do you think there's an important difference there or do you think that the impact is more what matters? Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. So like, let's talk about the Dogecoin guy. Cause I think this is a good <laughs> example of this. Um, you know, that intent from what I've heard, maybe this is completely wrong was to make fun of people yeah. that were doing exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. Right. He was a, Oh, I'll make something so ridiculous people will stop taking this seriously. (laughs) Um, The fact that that backfired, you know, I don't blame that person for that. Yeah. Um, Let's say you work at a company that makes and sells vape pens. You're Mm -hmm. scum of the earth. I do not care about you. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But um, let's say you work for a company that sells for the military. Like, that is a gray area where... Um, it's hard. Um, yeah. Even if you're, you know, uh, so uh, assuming that you're anti-military, you know, mm-hmm. you're anti-U.S. industrial military complex. Um, the the reality of it is that so many industries are adjacent, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, these big engineering projects end up being uh, governmentally assisted, anyways, because they're yeah. so expensive. Um, you know, if you work for NASA, like that's sick. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to get mad at you for working at NASA, even if 
you know, part of the reason NASA exists is so that we can secure airspace or, yeah. you know, make better uh, planes and all that. Um, well, like, the an interesting point, I think, is that if you think about the guy who is working at the vape pen place, yeah, what about someone who is working at the vape pen place and trying to design some sort of system within the vape pen so that it, it can burn hotter and not release metals into someone's lungs. Is that probably colder, but yeah. It, or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess or it can burn effectively colder. Is that, what do you, I guess so, there's. And, and that's, that's a good point because the guy, um, from what I've heard, the guy who invented vape initially, I think he was, um, He's from China where they, they smoke cigarettes a ton. Yeah. He wanted to quit and he wanted a healthy way to quit. And so his plan was to stop smoking cigarettes, start vaping and lower his nicotine account. Yeah. You know, and um, so even in there, you know, the difference between working for mango flavored jewel and working for that guy, um, there's, there's a lot, there's a big difference there. Yeah. And I guess with that, there's there's kind of a gray area of people who could be in that industry as well who have to do some things that are going to hurt people and have to do things that are going to help people as well. Mm-hmm. But I guess that that is something that I actually feel like I see a little bit with some technology. And I'm not necessarily saying this is a bad thing. It might just be a symptom of reality in a way that Mm -hmm. there are going to be people who have good intentions with things and they're automatically going to be corrupted in different ways with money and there's i think some of the issue comes from almost not recognizing that there that that is an issue like and people not recognizing that money can corrupt these things and that the good intentions can be taken a different direction. And then sometimes I'm also, I think it's more about getting to the root of the problem and trying to find directions to just not let these things happen. Mm -hmm. But policy and various things are difficult and changing the moral character of the population is practically impossible. Yeah. In the, like, I don't even know if it's the engineer's job to make, you know, what is it and isn't ethical, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think in my ideal world, the value of a phone would cost what it it does to do all of these things that it it, it requires, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and people would... um, So, like, you know, like, ethical clothing... um, I think I think Patagonia was good about this. Like, they're very open about what they they show and they say, this is where we get all of our... um, textiles and this is how we build it and here's all the different places and we make sure we use fair um plants and all that um that costs more yeah that costs more than the the cheap cotton shirt that you have no idea Mm -hmm. um and i think in my ideal world uh you wouldn't have to make things cost more to be ethical Mm -hmm. um so and in that sense an engineer's job wouldn't even have to be you need to be the one to know. But on the other side, who else knows what you're doing except for you? Yeah. Um, it gets into this whole, like, companies are the only ones that know enough to regulate themselves. Yeah. And I hate the idea of companies regulating themselves, but at the same time, you know, if you're making some advanced AI, 
no one else understands what's going on. Yeah. Um, Congress can pull you in and ask you a million questions and see if you're being responsible. But at the end of the day, they didn't program it. Mm-hmm. They haven't ran it for hundreds of, well, sorry, like 10 years and seen how it's ad- adapted and developed and know the potential like strengths and weaknesses of it or the potential mm-hmm. hazards that could come from it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there needs to be accountability, but at the end of the day, even the person who built it might not understand it. Yeah. I Do you think that is getting better? I, I had this thought recently that's somewhat interesting to me about how, because we're both relatively young, how do... Do you feel like it's weird that as people get older, it seems that they get more set in their values and their minds? Yeah. Yeah. I. It's always that question of, is it, ha- is it happening to me? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hard to be challenging your values. Yeah. And I think that's really what it is, is that, you know, you you have a hard time continually saying is everything I know and believe right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot to take in. And I think people want to coast through a lot of their life. And I guess the relation back to the electrical stuff is, or the tech is, do you think, cause there's so much talk about tech improving, advancing and changing do you feel like that that is the case or do you feel like that in some or a lot of instances that tech is just under the illusion that they're questioning what they're doing? I, I couldn't, I don't know. It, sometimes you don't have enough time. Yeah. You know, deadlines come up and it's like, gotta sell. Yeah. There's definitely, there's definitely that market pressure. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. It's science has a very rigorous ethics board where if you're going to do an experiment, um, you need to go and see an ethics board. If you're going to like do trials on humans or Mm -hmm. if you're going to even trials on animals, you need to do that kind of stuff. Um, at least, at least in good scientific programs. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, uh, commercial tech products aren't going to have that same ethics board. And so, um, I think you could say that, you know, similar to how science went through things like eugenics, where Mm -hmm. we needed to fail and have big consequences and look back retrospectively to be able to um, do things ethically. You know, you could take that claim for tech too, but Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't think ethics is really the... The consideration. I mean, you look at you look at Cambridge Analytica. You that that's not ethical. That's yeah. That's profit driven. And yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that want to um, do really great things with tech, but it's you know, I I don't think that money and ethics align. Yeah. So the ones that make a lot of money, and you know, more than ever, tech is kind of eating up like mega monopolies, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon, they are uh, monoliths mm-hmm. of whatever they do. Um, and so that's, I don't, I don't love that. 
Yeah. The... I think a question that I have in this is sort of a segue, but I think sometimes within that tech space, it's, it's, it feels like we have a lot of really hard workers or a lot of, a lot of people have a lot of ideas and an ability to execute them. And I think sometimes it feels like people can be very hard workers, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily that they're trying It depend maybe on their, it depends maybe on their motivations and it feels like people will come up with solutions that are flashy and get a lot of money from people because their personality and they're flashy and because they want to have the big solution to the problem. And I think sometimes we miss some deep, like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff with like the, the basic example is like the hyperloop, like looking at the, I mean, that just came out recently that there's, Elon Musk in one way or another kind of said that he sort of didn't, he didn't want high speed rail in California, at least in the way that they were doing it. And there's a debate to be said there that that was a very obviously harmful to, or could, could be taken as definitely harmful to people. But I guess in a way that there's still good things coming out of that industry and, and, things that Elon Musk has done, but do you think that it's more important for someone to be a hard worker or a good person? You know, or like, I, it's a really hard question, but I think are, is it important, is it really important to have both or can you make enough mistakes and get enough wins at the same time? Let, let me, let me rephrase this just a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. It takes a lot of um, mental energy to be ethical. Yeah. So I guess it's an interesting question of how much energy should you waste on ethics, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't want to go so deep that you land into existential dread. Yeah. But you don't want to be so forgetful of your ethical... The ethical work you need to put in that you uh, neglect and just focus only on you know, those hard skills that you're trying to build. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to present myself as like a morally moral figure necessarily, but like, I think at least for me, I, I find that I get value mm -hmm. out of taking that challenge of trying to produce better ethical outcomes. But I, do, do you think that's a, I guess this is another question that I had is, do you think it's a, is it an issue of laziness with people or is it, and at the same time, do you think laziness is bad? I, I think in some instances it probably is, but, and this kind of interweaves with some of the other stuff in tech that I, I think a lot about consumption and our society and where we've moved to in terms of our passive activities that we engage with but yeah so social media and yeah yeah youtube and all that it's hard because there's a lot of really great stuff on there yeah um like engineering degree is great it mm -hmm. teaches you a lot of stuff but um at towards the end of it and i think this was a lot of online school influence it felt like professors gave me a textbook gave me some ideas to explore and then I went on the internet. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that you don't need to have, the fact that you can, you can find and, and 
get just about anything you want mm-hmm. that's that's incredible um and we're kind of maybe the generation before us but we're kind of the first generation that has to go through this like over stimulus problem yeah where we have too much that we can do you mm-hmm. know if you wanted to learn guitar tomorrow you could do it um oof the information <laughs> well the information's out there yeah. right it's just um mine's just sitting on the wall there's just <laughs> relatable uh it's, there's a lot of guitars sitting on the wall mm. oh man my coworker showed me his guitar collection why do people have 12 guitars what's the point of that <laughs> they don't sound that different hot take <laughs> um just but i mean you know and it's not just guitar right it's hey you could go learn how to be you could learn a new language you mm-hmm. could go learn how to draw you could go learn electrical engineering you could go learn how economics work you could go learn the history of mongolia yeah you know but there's only so much time in the day yeah i think the thing that scares me is that um the trend feels more and more passive yeah um what's your social media of choice oh it's a i i don't even i i sometimes don't count it as one but it's 100 percent youtube i'm basically yeah. off of most everything else but i i realized that when i switched off of a lot of things mm-hmm. it actually youtube ended up just taking up a lot more time but i think it's very long form yeah and i think there's a confusing thing for me there because some content that i'm watching on there is very like it's it's i majored in economics and i'm watching things that are teaching me things about economics or foreign policy or foreign action related to that which i feel like i get some value and knowledge from but i generally like i don't think i don't think using social media is lazy i think a lot of people do it to the point where we probably don't need, I don't think it really serves much purpose to call it lazy. I think people can function very well with it. I just found that I don't think I really did. And that's yeah. why I decided to stop using a large portion of it. Um, but I think there becomes this issue where what I started to feel like with some stuff is that we, we, we joke about the dopamine machine and stuff and I, I started to feel like to some degree, I don't know if this is like a psychology thing or if this is just like my theory on it, that you get dopamine from these things, but we're missing something else. Like there's something beyond that. And I don't know if that's more of a holistic thing. And I mean, this is kind of the reason I'm trying to work on different projects is because I find things fulfilling and I'm trying to make things intrinsically motivated, but I find that I still can get very caught up in just passively engaging with things. And yeah. I like, I just read part of this, or I just read this essay from Bertrand Russell recently that's talking about, it's called um, In Praise of Idleness. And it's this idea of having, like, it's it's okay to be, I think part of it is about being okay with being idle, but at the same time, not just engaging with things passively. I actually, I, I, I there was a preface to the book um, by this one guy that so far from what I've read, <clears throat> I actually enjoyed the preface more than the essay. The essay was actually seemingly largely kind of talking about having a four hour work day 
and the advantages of that. But I think the issue there that I've started to wonder about is that this essay was written a long time ago, um, like 50, maybe more years ago, I don't quite remember, mm-hmm. that he talks about how when we get home from long work days, we engage with things very passively because we're tired and that you um, don't necessarily use the skills that you have. And like he talks a lot about the combination of education and time or education and ability or something along those lines and how that is like the most fulfilling thing is like essentially using your knowledge towards something. I think that's maybe rephrase it differently, but that is somewhat the essential idea and how when we go to movies and stuff now, it's like everybody's so tired from work and doing all these other things that we go on social media, all of this is passive engagement that we don't necessarily get anything out of. And the issue with with that is that now that we have so many different pathways to passively engage with things, I almost see it as even if we had a four-hour workday, I don't know how that would actually go anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people would just spend twice as much time well, I don't know if I would just spend twice as much time watching YouTube or if I'd be like, oh, I'm off work at 1230 today. I'm going to go and make a YouTube skit or I am going to go talk to my friends about making a podcast or I'm going to like deeply watch a movie and engage with it and write about it. Or am I just going to watch somebody streaming on YouTube for three hours talking about Stuff that maybe is interesting for me to think about, mm-hmm. but then that that layer that I was talking about earlier, you, you finish watching that and you're like, huh, that was not necessarily a bad time. Like, I actually feel like I got something out of that, mm-hmm. but it's not what life needs to be. It, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's scary because one of those, ne- they both need each other. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you make a YouTube skit and only your friends and family watch it and the few count says 25 feels kind of shitty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I... you need to have those <laughs> passive people watching the thing. So it's almost like you want to be the productive one and we'll have other people be passive. But that's like, you know, that's not what you want. You just no. want you want to um, I mean, because everything's so focused on you know social media yeah um the uh the one that's been scaring me recently or the one that confuses me i'm not not scared that's the wrong word for it um i i feel like i've seen a trend of less and less um active uh uh searching mm. so um i think early internet before us was more of you know uh chat rooms and web forms and you had to type in your url to actually get to a specific website i see what you're saying um i think tiktok i'm not on but that's kind of been me neither the the biggest newest social media and there is zero amount of um choice yeah i think the the appeal and the danger of it is that you've eliminated the entirety of the interaction to yes no yeah right it's do i want to be currently exposed to this or do i want to be exposed to something else yeah um and 
it's interesting and very uh i mean it's a it's a good algorithm people really like it clearly <laughs> yeah. right it's a popular app um in that in, in an algorithm that could tell people's preference really quickly that's something that could be powerful yeah but you know you go on youtube and even youtube's doing this you know there used to be you know you used to only have your subscribed on the list right yeah. And now there's a, a homepage of curated content that is suggested to you. And you go through the suggested to see of the suggestions, which one do you want to pick, right? Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a big difference between I am looking for a engineering video or I am looking for an economics video or I am looking for some dude playing video games. Yeah. Um, and actively searching for that and just being given Handed, that. Yeah. Um, because once we're, you know, when we're handed everything, um, it's going to be hard to do anything when we, it's, when it's not that easy. Yeah. I mean, I'll come out and say it. I think it does scare me. Like, it, it's like, I, <laughs> I, that's like, that's the reason I don't have TikTok is I'm yeah. like, I would get, I would get worried that that like, and I mean, to some degree, I actually feel like that sort of goes against what I normally think of myself as like I I'm I would but I, I think to some degree that is like me not believing and testing myself on that but at mm -hmm. the same time I think it's also me being honest with myself and saying this is probably not a good thing for me to engage with and I would mm -hmm. like to essentially I think especially with looking at YouTube, even YouTube is trying to do this in some ways with the mm -hmm. shorts and with like autoplay and various different things. And I just think that that sometimes it feels like it presents certain issues. And I think sometimes it, it just at the end of the day is not as fulfilling as a lot of other it's more passive. activities. Yeah, it's more exactly. It's more passive. And Again, I'm not like shitting on anyone for watching these things or doing these things. I engage in the just same. As addicted. Yeah, I am in the exact same box, but it's and like you said, I I don't want people to be in that box. I want people to be out there doing things and like the this is this is kind of my whole point about what I'm trying to do with art right now is I'm trying to make everything is intrinsically motivated as possible mm -hmm. to the point where the the end goal would be if there are not even 25 people who see my video, if it's three that I don't give a, a damn, that, yeah. that is yeah. the end. That would be the ideal place to be in, but it is very hard to be in that place in the, in the current spot that we live in. And at the same time, there is no, way that there is enough room for especially looking at the, the up and coming generations I, I just saw a study from like Pew Research that said that YouTube is the most popular social media platform it has 95% use among children from 13 to 17 hmm. and even more than TikTok but TikTok is the fastest growing yeah um and then the number one profession that kids want is to be a YouTuber mm -hmm. and there is absolutely not enough space for even mm -hmm. probably 1% of them to be a serious, serious person who makes money doing that, which is, I think this is like the important idea where at least for me, 
I'm trying to separate myself from that idea. Yeah. And I think there could be more of that message around, but that's like maybe even steps down the line and what needs to potentially would need to happen to just, because I think a lot of people like it's, it's incredibly difficult to get the motivate the motivation, or even if you have the motivation, it's incredibly difficult to just get yourself to do things. Mm -hmm. And I think, that's that's where people some people are very successful i i even if for me anything i'm successful in i recognize that there's basically a level of luck in there but there's also just the people who can get themselves to work really really hard mm -hmm. sometimes they can make it but i think there's an there's also an element there that you do need a little bit of luck in some scenarios and i'm kind of going off on a tangent at this point but yeah, yeah. Um, one of the utopic situations for tech, um, mm -hmm. a lot of the people that are fishing to get artificial general intelligence, which is this idea of right now, AI is very focused on a task. It imitates really well. Mm -hmm. So if you give it a bunch of legal documents, it'll give you a verdict that it would be, um, statistically likely compared to all of the previous ones. Gotcha. If you get a bunch of art it'll give a piece of art that is statistically likely given all the other art. Mm. Um, uh, it's really good at imitation and kind of unique imitation. Yeah. Um, one of the utopic ideas is that we, you know, we allow robots, we allow computers, we allow um, machines to do most of the sus sustaining ourselves tasks. Yeah. You know, natural resource allocation, a human wouldn't do as well as a machine. Yeah. Right? Um, once we get that point, the one thing that, and there's some debate on this, the one mm -hmm. thing that robots or are, are artificial intelligence would have a hard time doing is art. Yeah. You know, you know, if we actually got to the point where we had enough of this, uh, this artificial processing we can maybe have it so that most kids could be YouTubers because there wouldn't be any room for them to be accountants or to be engineers or to be mathematicians because yeah. a computer is going to do math better than they will. I, I have to ask on that, though. I think this actually circles back to the other point, mm -hmm. though, is that mm -hmm. if every in that utopian scenario, you run into the issue where you now have a another utopian caveat on the fact that essentially most if not all of those people have to not care about how many people are watching their videos because they can't because there's i guess that's there's only so much time that somewhat people can only be seen so often i think i think that's mm -hmm. in some way i think that that it's a weird thing that that is also as, as much as we're talking about actively engaging with things you can actively engage on social media but that comes with its own issues because there's this culture of like needing to be seen by people, which mm -hmm. every, I think almost everybody is in that to some level and including myself and just the, that is a bit of an odd issue to contend with, I think. And that's, that's weird because then you have this issue of you, are you the viewer or are you the creator? And I think it would be interesting to see 
someone try see someone who feels that they are genuinely okay with just a hundred percent being the viewer. And I don't know if that person's out there. I think more people have YouTube channel or more people watch YouTube than have YouTube channels. Certainly, I think so. And also, you I mean you see this amongst creators where they kind of consume and contribute. You know. Yeah. It's more of a community based thing. Um, it sounds almost like you're suggesting that that we have to be competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, which I could agree with. It's, I can it's agree hard this. for me to say. It's hard for me to make a good argument that we don't have to be competitive because that's kind of all we know yeah but um well I, th I think it's a scarcity issue it's yeah it's like i mean that's the the base level of economics is it's all about scarcity and understanding resources and basically i think that's kind of the thing is that to be not competitive you have to find a way to be okay with not get it if you think of views as a resource which in a way they really are you have to be okay with not being provided resources mm -hmm. in a certain way. And the I think... The computer will balance it out completely. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I, th I think it's... An, that's actually <laughs> an interesting point because, like, at some point, if you had so many people on a platform, there's probably going to be so much overlap that if you had an AI that could just balance out everyone's views yeah. to maximize the amount of happiness that everybody gets... That's... Socialize the view count. Yeah. <laughs> an eyeball for every channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i i don't know i i don't think we'll get there anywhere near that in our lifetime but <laughs> it's i it's really crazy i i don't know it the problem with with predicting the future is that um you know we had moore's law and it did really good mm -hmm. it did a really good job of it but also you're asking people that built like water canals and they thought that was the shit you yeah. know that you you're asking them to predict uh iphones <laughs> you know what i mean in i don't think that advancement is linear i think it's exponential um mm -hmm. and we have so many great examples of just the potential of the future yeah um and and more and more is just happening yeah it's um i, I don't know there's there's some massive computer somewhere in Google where they've recreated this entire room, an entire warehouse of computers. And, you know, you think about all the potential in your phone, yeah. and it's um, a million times bigger than that with even better technology. And, you know, if we decided to use that towards a goal, it, you know, I, it seems unlikely that we couldn't solve a lot of the problems that we've been tr struggling with for a long time yeah i think um, i guess the looking at this passive and active thing i feel like it's good to encourage people to engage with things actively but i also think at the same time i am in a spot where the world is very confusing yeah, right now yeah. and i think we'll probably grow to understand these things better but i think if I don't know. I, I've been enjoying watching um, Joel Haver a lot recently yeah. and just using that as like or value select these like uh, YouTube sketch comedy creators. And they just this idea of getting out there and 
creating things for the sake of creating them. And I, I actually think Joel Haver is a very good example of someone who is like kind of goes against the competition idea mm-hmm. and is like the willing to share all of his ideas with people and show you exactly how he makes a video. Yeah. But even that is somewhat coming from a position of someone who is, has already made it essentially. And mm-hmm. so if somebody else copies what he's doing, it's going to be he, Joel Haver stuff. Yeah, yeah. And even if they make it, he still has his audience. Like yeah. it's like he could lose some to that, but it's the, I, I think at the end of the day, I think people should kind of just do what they feel like is the best thing for them. But I have found that engaging with things in as broad as we're making this term actively right now, I think it, I think it's been helpful to me and I think it could be helpful to some people. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of my question because you're someone who I has not only encouraged me to do a lot of things. And I thank you for that. But the, someone who seems to exercise a lot of hobbies consistently, even if it's changing frequently, I think it's just attempting to do things is important. And how do you have any advice for like getting, just getting up to do things or like, if you get that, is is it for me, sometimes it's a time thing. Like if I get Mm -hmm. that, if I get that spark of curiosity, I just have to, I have to, dig somewhere deep down that I established like years ago and be like, okay, this is that feeling you have to do it right now or it will go away. Avoiding the depression spiral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It it was hard for me because I I think honestly, even in college, which is when you, you knew me the most, Mm -hmm. um, the time that I feel like I actually started that, that's that switch flipped was after COVID I got that internship I hated and I was just fueled by rage. Um, (laughs) I was working my 40 hours plus, you know, drive time. Yeah. And I would get home. I'd look for jobs. I would like, I was overworking myself. It was not healthy. Um, But, you know, I flipped that switch and I just kind of saw what it was that it got me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's weird because this goes against all of my core philosophy of, you know, people don't need to be suffering, right, to be good. It's weird, though. But that was kind of what did it for me. And I would not encourage anyone else to do that. Um, I think that, you know, self-motivation isn't defined by your, you know, uh, impending doom. Yeah. But that's what it did it for me. And um once the, you know, it's really just once that switch flips is to try not to let it let it down. slow down. Yeah. You know. Um cuz there just there'll be something that lets you get there um where you feel like I am being 80% productive. Um still take care of yourself, you know. Yeah. Don't don't be doing it off of Red Bull and hot pockets, <laughs> but like when you when you get there um you know let that let that drive you and i think what really helped me was that i looked back and i thought holy shit you know i spent 3 years in college doing the bare minimum mm-hmm. getting my shit done and then being depressed yeah and in this time i managed to apply for all these jobs find a place that i'd be happy and um 
still maintained my like sanity yeah um so you know it's it's a little bit of seeing if you like that you know because it is it's it is really stressful to just go a hundred and hundred percent for like most of the time don't you i i feel like i've had this thing where i'm like i'm not trying to say like anything too i'm not trying to say anything controversial here but it it feels like i'm like manic sometimes like if i go into that state of like i am working really hard and it's a lot but sometimes that just works out and it or like but then there's an issue where i think sometimes this is an idea that i subscribe to very specifically i read a book called the path Mm -hmm. which is uh, like essentially these Harvard professors synthesizing like ancient Chinese philosophy. Yeah. And there's an idea in there that kind of, and I thank the Sisyphus 55 show as well for kind of explaining this as well and getting me into that book. Mm -hmm. But this idea that it's not that if you work hard, you can do anything it's that your potential to do anything is unknowable yeah. forever. And the only way you can actually figure anything out with that is just by doing things. Yeah. And I think that's what I've been trying to do is kind of just continue to do things because it works for me. And I, like you said, with that switch, I, I think there's a few things with that where it feels like the switch will sometimes flip back and forth for me. where I get times where I'm not doing anything and I'm almost forget that like the room is dark and I forget that this light switch, I forget where it is. And if that, at some point you might even forget that it's even there, Mm -hmm. but sometimes there's something that brings that back. And I think for me, a lot of being able to do things is just, I, I feel that, that little, itch somewhere that is like oh i i remember that and that there's something that was like ingrained almost that i i can remember that feeling and go and i think part of that is it's almost like action potential like it's built up and i have this thing where i can go do that but and i recognize i i've gotten i feel like i've gotten a lot of perspective on this that there's a ton of people out there with substantially harder disadvantages than I have in this area. And so it makes a lot of sense that a lot of people would struggle at the same level or much harder than I would in this. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different things there, but it's also, I don't know. It feels like I am sort of searching for that. I can't tell if it's the same thing that I would say as motivation or if it's a feeling of just pure ambition to do something. And Mm -hmm. I think part of what I'm trying to do in a way is see that that switch is on and just not let it go back down or, and that opens up a whole other question of if I should recognize that it is going to go off again, but Mm -hmm. try to develop a strategy to get back from that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, because I don't know if it's sustainable to yeah, have it be on all the time. I, um, I realize that I have a, uh, abnormally, uh, 
I handle stress different than a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that a part of that's come from the experiences I've had Yeah. where, um, I tell a lot of people that are interested in engineering that it's not so much about intelligence. It's about the ability to handle and tolerate stress. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, you know, I, I've, I've had a lot of experience that were also good and bad of being mm -hmm. able to, you know, I did wildland firefighting for a while where that just like, it made me realize in, in kind of practice in a terrible way <laughs> that stress management is, you know, it's a muscle. Yeah. You know, it gets, it gets better and it gets easier to be able to, um, turn stress into a good thing instead of a bad thing. And you're still going to hit that point where you realize I got to sit down. Yeah. I got to stop and just take a break. But, um, I think the more you do it and you know, this whole, I think, I think in, in high school, I, I was that kind of person where I was like, I'm going to like bottle it all in and fester and like you mm -hmm. know, have my anime moment where I'm stuck <laughs> in a room for, for hours and days and days and I don't eat and I don't sleep and I don't do anything, but this one topic and then I'm going to come out with this great, amazing thing. And that's going to be like my debut right yeah i don't think that happens no sorry i don't mean to interrupt you yeah that's, that's just a it's a really that was the other idea that i had is that as much as i'm saying all of these things and about working really hard yeah i have had that i would say as far as i'm understanding relatively that same experience where i think going into college was actually kind of my i was like my debut moment is gonna be like i get to go to I get to pick the school that I want to go because I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to do it. And that was a really, really hard moment for me to handle when I just got hit with reality that I really, really felt like my hard work did not pay off. And in a lot of ways, I don't think it did. I think a lot of ways I got not screwed over, but I was unhappy with the fruits of my labor. And part of that was expectation. And then part of that was also just a realization that that's not really how the world works sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then I also just, I think I had an important realization there that there's other things are more important than working hard all the time. And especially other people, I think is kind of the main one. I mean, I, I knew some of that beforehand. And I think I've just, I just continue to try and gain as much perspective on how to engage with people mm -hmm. in interesting and positive ways. But I think that can be a really hard thing for, at least for me and probably some other people to accept is that idea that that like soul crushing feeling of your hard work, not getting what you expect it to. Yeah. And I think that, that, like you said, that debut, it, it doesn't, I think it yeah. can, but I think that's where it's, it's, you some... just get stuck in the prep position. Yeah. You know, you just keep prepping and keep prepping. You keep thinking, I'm not good enough to debut. And it just, it never happens. Yeah. Or like, and sometimes the, I think there's that. And then there's the executable scenario where it's you, you are at the moment and you go and it still doesn't happen. <laughs> and I think, 
that's that's where I think there's so much of an importance around mentality and how you engage with your hobbies and the world and why you're doing things. And yeah, I think that's that's just kind of what it boils down to. Yeah. I like to sometimes take YouTubers that I really like and just scroll all the way back to their first video. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it. I, I think especially now we, we value volume over like a few quality yeah um i do i do actually think quantity over quality at least with that's a message joel haver spouts yeah. touts a lot and i i think that's helpful to me sometimes because i think quantity emits quality after a while in yeah. some situations and, and you know have the pride to be able to go back and say this was bad but yeah. this is good yeah you know um, or the pr the pride to go back and say this was bad, but the fact that I did it is good. And also, you know, in by... some context, there's some stuff that's not good in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, by by allowing others to look into the stuff that you're working on, you get to see um, what others relate with instead of being stuck in your own. Yeah, this is what I relate with and what I like. Because it might be yeah. that you make something that you think's trash and other people love, and it might be that. What you love sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. And on that note. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> I think that's probably a good place to stop it. Yeah. But yeah, it was really nice talking with you, Caleb. Um, thanks again to anyone who tuned in. If you have suggestions, leave them down below if you want. Or... If you have ideas of topics you want to me to talk about with people, I can try to find someone to talk about it with. But yeah, thank you for listening. Have a nice day.